Welcome to Glory Stories with Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn. Dr. Vaughn was one of the top eye surgeons in America and has traveled to many countries in the world preaching the Word of God. She also opened up an eye surgery center in Beijing, China, where she did free eye surgery on those in need. Dr. Vaughn will be sharing many of her personal experiences from God. In addition, you will hear of others that have known God in an intimate way and seen His miracle working power. As you hear about how God has worked in the lives of others, our hope is that you will be changed forever. Get ready for God to heal you, deliver you, and transform your life as you sit back and enjoy these glory stories. Welcome to Glory Stories today. We're going to talk today about how to receive a miracle. I think there's a lot of you out there that probably need this. You need to receive a miracle today. And if you don't today, then you very well may need to tomorrow because it always happens to all of us at some point. You know, the, the man Kenneth E. Hagan, I've mentioned him before in Glory Stories, and Jesus came to him on several occasions. On this occasion, Jesus came to tell him how anybody anywhere could receive a miracle. So I'm going to read to you exactly what Jesus told Kenneth Hagan because it applies not just to Kenneth Hagan, it applies to all of us. So I took this to heart when I, when I found out about it, and I hope you will too. Okay, this is what Jesus said. If anybody, anywhere, will take these four steps or put these four principles into operation, he will always receive whatever he wants from me or from God the Father. Always. Did you hear that? If you'll do these four things, you will always receive what you ask for from God. Anything, in the, anything the Bible promises you now, you can have now, like salvation, baptism in the Holy Ghost, healing, or spiritual victory. Other things may take time to develop, like planting a seed today and waiting for that seed to grow. But the good news is whether you receive it immediately or whether it becomes manifest over time, you will get it. Okay, so that's why he said take these four steps, which would mean like immediate receiving or Practice these four principles, which may be like planting a seed that needs a little time to grow. But either way, if you'll do these four things, you will always receive what you're asking God for. Now, one example that he did give was out of the Word of God, which I'm going to read to you right now. It's a story that many of you are familiar with, but some of you may not be. You may never have heard this before, so I'm going to read it to you. It's a story out of Mark the fifth chapter, and I'm going to begin reading here at the 25th verse. And there was a woman in the crowd who had a hemorrhage for 12 years. The crowd that, that they're talking about here is the crowd of people that were around Jesus. Wherever he went, there was a crowd of people pushing in on him, trying to get near to him, and so that's what crowd it's talking about. There was a woman in the crowd who had a hemorrhage for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, through the years and had spent everything she had to pay them, but she'd gotten no better. In fact, she was worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched the fringe of his robe, for she thought to herself, or she said to herself, if I can just touch his clothing, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel that she had been healed. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out of him. 
So he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, all this crowd is pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You have been healed. Now, th this, this is a story about a woman with an issue of blood. The four things that Jesus said you needed to do, the first thing is to say it. Now, the woman that we just read about, she said, if I can just touch his clothes, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be made well. So the first thing that she did was she said it. And that's the first thing that we must do to receive something from God. Actually, what, what's in your heart is what comes out of your mouth is the rule. And so you, you, you need to believe it in your heart and then say it with your mouth. You say what you believe is going to happen to you, which is what she did. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, just touch his clothes, I will be made well. She said it. She believed it. Uh, I want to pause there with you for a few minutes because I think that saying our words, what we say, is far more important than, than we may realize. Uh, I, once I had a dream, and in this dream I was going around my house, or a house, it wasn't, it, it was, uh, I wasn't familiar with the house, but I was in a house, and I was closing the windows, making sure all of them were locked. Nowadays you don't do that too much, at least not in America, but you did in years gone by, and you'd, you'd lock the, the window and make sure it was tightly locked. And I was going around to every window in the house, and I came to this one window, and I pulled the window down, and it had no glass, no pane in the window. Well, if it has no glass in the window, even in one window, it means your whole house is no longer secure, right? Anybody can come in the window. And, and so I was very upset. There's no pane in this window. Let's quickly get a, a, a window pane, a glass put in this window so this, the house will be secure again. This was my dream. Well, I woke up and I, and I said, Lord, what, what does this dream mean? And what he showed me was the open window pane, the lack of a window pane, the open window, is what people say with their mouth. If people say, you can make up anything you want. You, you know, some people say, well, you know, my, my mother had a diabetes. Let's just use that example. My mother had diabetes. My grandmother had diabetes. And I'm probably going to have diabetes too. Do you see that? That's a, that's a window with no pain on it. You have just opened a window for the enemy, the devil, all the imps from hell to come right in through that open window that was your mouth and your words and that you have essentially given them the ability to come in and put on you what you say is going to be on you. On the other hand, if, you're, if, you, if, if your mother had diabetes and your grandmother had diabetes, you have the choice of saying, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. None of these infirmities are going to come on me. I'll never have diabetes, and my children will never have diabetes. In the name of Jesus, they will never, ever have diabetes. At that point, you have shut that window. It has a pain in it. It's shut. It's shut tight. There's no opportunity for the enemy to come into your life and put that diabetes on you. Do you see what? A, so in your life, if you've been saying things about yourself 
or other people. You can, you can put these things on other people. You can say, well, my son is probably going to grow up and, you know, have drugs like other people. They're all these, these, ki these kids these days are all getting on drugs, and that'll probably happen to little Johnny. You're opening the window. You're, you're leaving. A, you have a window with no pain in it, and you have just opened the door for drugs to be on little Johnny. You have with your mouth. So we must be very, very careful with what we say. Uh, I, have a, I know of a lady, and she's all the time saying, oh, you know, I'm getting old, and now I'm, I can hardly get around, and I can hardly walk, and, and I can't breathe very good, and I hurt all over, and I mean, I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness, she's, every window in her house is open, and, and she's, she's inviting more and more infirmities into her body by saying things like this. So it's God's warning to us that if you want something from him, you have to be sure that that's what you're believing in your heart and you're saying it, you're saying it, you're saying it, you're saying it with your mouth. I want to read you something else from Numbers in the Old Testament because this is something that happened to all the people of Israel that left out of Egypt. This is from Numbers, the 14th chapter. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in this wilderness? That's what all of those, probably around 3 million people, said this, 600,000 men plus women and children. Anyway, then this is what the Lord says, Numbers 14, verse 28, 29. As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, this is God speaking. As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. See, they had just finished saying, would to God that we died in the wilderness. God said, you said it in my ears. So you're going to have what you said. And every one of you that's an adult is going to fall in this wilderness. It's a, it's a vivid example of the power in our words and that we need to watch very carefully what we say. So the first thing, the four things you need to do, the first thing is to say it. The second thing you need to do is to do it. Whatever you've said, that's what you need to do. In the example we read of the woman with the issue of blood, she didn't just sit on her porch and say, if I could touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. And if she had sat there, she could say that one million times and she never would have been healed because she didn't do anything. But instead of doing nothing, she got up, even in a debilitated state, if a person has an issue of blood over many years, they're going to be anemic. They didn't say that in the Bible, but we know that. So she would be severely anemic, severely weakened by her condition. It's against society for a woman with an issue of blood to be walking around in society. She shouldn't have been in any crowds. She shouldn't have been able to get in the crowd. So she had a lot of excuses she could have used. She could have sat in her yard and say, I'm too weak to go. I just can't make it. It's too weak. I, I'm just too weak. And there's too many people, and they're all strong, healthy people. They're all crowding around Jesus. I can't make it through that crowd. She had a lot of excuses she could have made that she wouldn't have done anything. But instead, she got up and she started doing something about it. She, in her debilitated state, pressed through the crowd until she got close enough to touch his clothes, touch the hem of his garment or clothes. So the second thing she did, she did it. The first thing, she said it.
The second thing, she did it. The third thing that, that, that happens is you receive it. You receive it. So as soon as she did what she said and touched his clothes, the healing virtue came out of Jesus Christ and into her. He says that you were, your, your faith was the reason you got healed. Her faith, because she believed that when she touched him, she was going to get healed. That's her faith. And the faith of the woman drew that healing virtue out of Jesus Christ, the healing power, the healing virtue out of Jesus Christ. He didn't even know who did it. He just knew somebody had the, the touch of faith. She had the touch of faith. He knew somebody had that touch of faith and had pulled the healing out of him. He turned around, who touched me? Who touched me? His disciples said, what do you mean? Everybody's touching you. I mean, people were crowding in around him all around. So all of those other people were touching Jesus, but none of them got healed because they weren't, they weren't touching him with the touch of faith. But she was determined. She said it. She did it. Number three, she received it. And the fourth thing you do then is you tell about it. So when Jesus is looking around who touched me, she realized that she had been exposed. She felt in herself that she had been healed. So she confesses and she tells him, Lord, I, I just wanted to touch you and I knew if I touched you, I'd be healed. And, and so he says, woman, your faith has made you well. So she told it. Those are the four things. I want you to get those down. What's number one? Say it. What's number two? Do it. What's number three? Receive it. What's number four? Tell it. Tell it, tell it. Now, another wonderful example of this, I'm going to read to you from, from the Bible another example. And as we read it, you can see how these four, four things that, it were, that Jesus told Hagen, how these four things are unfolding. This is out of 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter. It's about a, some of you know this story, but some of you don't. And it's about a time when Israel and the armies of Israel were fighting the armies of, of the Philistines. And the Philistines had this enormous giant man named Goliath that was about around 10 feet tall, about 9 feet, 10 inches, something like that. By the way, I'm going to stop there and just say this. When, when those men in the army of Israel saw that giant and he was coming out, he was taunting them. And he was saying, you send somebody out here to fight with me. And if I win, then you're going to be our servants. If your man wins, we're going to be your servants. Well, the soldiers in the army of Israel were just shaking in their boots. I mean, a, a guy that's almost 10 feet tall, they're looking at him with their natural eyes, and, and, and they're, scared. they're scared half to death. Nobody wants to go fight this guy. But the Lord said to me once, he said, if Goliath had been 4 foot 10 instead of 9 foot 10, how many of the soldiers would have wanted to fight him then? What do you think? Every single one of them. They'd be clamoring for the opportunity to go kill this little guy because they were just operating with what their eyes could see. That's how most people operate in this world is how they, what they see, what they perceive. But there's a higher realm. There's a higher realm, and David who was a young boy at that time, was walking in that higher realm. So we're going we're gonna to see what he says. Okay, let's go. This is 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, the 8th verse. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, 
Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you servants of Saul? Now that, that was his first mistake. He thought they were servants of Saul. And the soldiers of Israel also thought they were servants of Saul. But David saw it a different way. Let's go on and see how David saw it. We're going to skip over to the, the 26th verse. David said to the men standing by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You see, David saw it in a whole different light. He, he saw the army of Israel as the armies of God. Saul saw them, and they saw themselves as the armies of Saul. Well, the armies of Saul would be defeated, but the army of God would not. David saw it in a higher realm. And so he goes on, he goes on to say, Saul was the king of Israel at that time. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of this Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight with him. 33rd verse, Saul said to David, you're not able to go fight against this Philistine. You're only a young boy and he's been a warrior from his youth. David said to Saul, your servant kept his father's sheep. And when there was a lion and again a bear and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and killed him. Your servant killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be one of them as one of them, for he defiled, defied the armies of the living God. You hear all the things that David was just saying? What's the first step? What's the first step? Say it. That's the first step. It's to say it. Then David said, here we go, first step. David said, the Lord who delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. So you heard what he just said? God's going to deliver me. God's going to, he said it with his mouth. He believed it in his heart, and when it was in his heart, came out of his mouth, God's going to deliver me from the hand of this Philistine, just like he delivered me from the hand of the bear, the hand of the lion. Okay, so he picks up five smooth stones. He puts them in his bag, the shepherd's bag, <clears throat> and he came out to meet the Philistine. The Philistine said to David, 44th verse, Come to me, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And then David said, here we go, listen to what he's going to say, the words of his mouth. He said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the ranks of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will smite you, and I will cut off your head. And I will give the corpses of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Did you hear what he said? I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to feed you and your army to all the beasts and the, and, and the fowls of the air. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves, not by sword or by spear, for the, Lord, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. When the Philistine came forward to meet David, what's the second thing you have to do? 
The first thing is what? You say it. What's the second thing you do? You do it. Okay, so it says, when this Philistine came forward to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. He's putting feet to his words, isn't he? He's doing what he said he was going to do. He runs toward Goliath. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone and slung it, and it struck the Philistine, sinking into his forehead, and he fell on, on his face onto the earth. So David ran and stood over the Philistine. He took the sword from the man, drew it out of its sheath, and he killed the man, and he cut off his head with the, with the man's own sword. What's the third thing? The first thing, you say it. The second thing, what do you do? You do it. The third thing, what's the third thing? You receive it. He just received it. He just cut off the guy's head. The guy's dead. Now he's going to feed him to the, just like he said, the birds and the beasts. So, so he received what he said and what he did. And then the fourth thing is what? Tell it. The next thing that happened is the women, when they found out the Israeli, really David, had overcome the Philistine, they come out with their timbrels and they're dancing and they're so happy and cheerful and they say, Saul killed his thousands, David killed his ten thousands. Of course, Saul didn't like that too well, but that's what happened. And so he had applied each one of those four principles and steps. In David's case, there were steps because they happened quickly. If it's something that's like a seed that needs to be planted, then it's a principle that you apply over time. But if you do these four things, Jesus said, you will always receive what you ask for from my Father. Now, I want to... Sh you know, in thinking about this, I think of my own life, and I hope that you think about your own life, to where sometimes the things that you've said have opened the window to you to be harmed in some way. But it's, it's an opportunity for us to tighten down every window and be sure that what we say is what we want to happen because what you say is what's going to happen whether you, whether you like it or whether you don't. It's the truth. It's the fact. So we need to say what we want to happen in our lives. In fact, the Word of, the, the word of God says that God calls things that be not as though they are. You remember, some of you remember Abraham, some of you may not, but Abraham, God told Abraham, he said, you're going to be the father of many nations. He says, I've made you the father of many nations. Well, at that point in time, Abraham didn't have any children. He was a very elderly man approaching 100 years old. His wife was a very elderly woman approaching 90 years old. And yet God said that they're going to have a baby, and the baby would be an heir the, the air that God had chosen for Abraham. So the word of God says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. So he was believing something that was totally impossible. And he even called himself the father of many nations because that's what God told him that he would be, the father. Of, so he was called Abraham. God was joining Abraham and calling something that was not as if it already was. And that's the principle that he talks about if it's a seed and it takes some time to come about. If you continue to believe that what you've said, what you've done, 
that you're going to be able to you're going to be able to receive it. It may take a little time, but you will be able to receive it because if it's a promise from God, it will come to pass. You just if you've ever planted a seed, I, I've planted some seeds before, and you know I not long ago I planted some lettuce seeds, and I'd go out every day and see if there was any lettuce coming up out of the ground and. And I'd wait and wait, and that's the way that seeds are. Sometimes you just, it doesn't mean that it's not going to come out of the ground. If it's a month later, maybe it didn't come out of the ground yet. Maybe it's a seed that takes a while to germinate. And, and you just, but if you, if you believe in your heart that the seed is going to grow into whatever you planted, then you patiently wait for it, right? You don't say, well, it, I don't see it tomorrow, so I guess it's not going to grow into what I planted. And, so next week you look, well, I, I don't see it. it didn't grow. I guess it's not going to happen. See, you, you, you're, you, I don't think you'd lose faith in the seed that you planted. So when you ask God for something, it's the same thing as planting a seed. Some things take time to grow in the spirit as well as in the natural. So if you've asked God, if you, if you believe the word of God, for instance, that says by the stripes of Jesus you're healed, if you believe that with all your heart, you say it with your mouth, you say, I, I and, and you, don't, you, don't, you don't look at the physical infirmity that, deformity that you have or infirmity that you have. You don't walk by the sight of what you see or what your body feels, but you say, Jesus said, the word of God says, by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. So I take that and I believe that in my heart and I say that with my mouth, that I am healed, it, whether my body looks healed, whether my body feels healed, Bible says I'm healed. So that's what you want to believe in your heart. You want to say it with your mouth, and you want to continue to say it with your mouth. I, now, you want to be careful, I think, because if you go around and you're a crippled up person or you're severely ill or whatever, and you say it in front of the wrong people... <laughs> that don't understand what you're talking about, and you, you're, you're hobbling around and you're saying to them, I'm healed, they don't understand what you're talking about and they will discourage you every way that they can. So you need to be careful who you talk to about this. But the fact of the matter is, whether you see it with your eyes, whether you feel it in your body, that's really irrelevant. The fact is, if you believe it with your heart that you are healed according to the word of God, if you believe it with your heart, if you say it with your mouth, and you persist in it, it's like that seed is growing and growing and growing until one of those days you'll see it. You'll see it with your eyes. You'll see it with your eyes. Then you'll receive it. That's the third thing. And the fourth thing, hopefully you'll give testimony. Look what God did for me. Look what God did for me. The Bible says that I was healed by the stripes of Jesus. I believed it. Uh, maybe I had to believe it for six months. Maybe I had to believe it for a year. Abraham had to believe it for a lot longer than that. But he persisted in believing it. He stuck with the promise of God. And we need to stick with the promise of God and believe God more than we believe what we see in the natural. Put him above everything else. If you believe it with your heart, and you speak it with your mouth, it will come to pass. What things soever a man desires, when he believes it, he will receive it. That's what God says, and that's what we're going to do. So I encourage you today, don't be discouraged. 
Continue to believe God's word no matter what you see, no matter what the doctor says, no matter what the lab tests say. You continue to believe God's word above everything in the natural that, you, that, you, that, you, that you're in your environment. And you maintain your stance with him that I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So be it. We hope that you enjoyed these stories of the glory of God. We believe that each story we tell will help build your faith and help to bring a miracle into your life. For more information about this program and Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn, visit her website at godsinstrument.com, her YouTube channel at Glory Stories Now, or write her at Elizabeth Vaughn Ministries Incorporated, P.O. Box 454, Argyle, Texas, 76226, USA.